Don't you always feel annoyed when you can't share your colleagues well during meetings? This affects most of us who frequently conduct or participate in online meetings. When taking part in a conference call online, the quality of your headset is just as important as the speed of your internet connection. If your audio quality is poor, your call's productivity and team collaboration will suffer. Reduced background noise would enhance the quality of your business calls, whether at home, in a cafe, or while commuting. These are the reasons why I'm using the EPOS Adapt 260 headset. I've written before about why the EPOS Adapt 260 is perfect for remote working, and one of the biggest reasons is that they are so comfortable for prolonged use and have excellent sound clarity. The headset's high-quality microphones will also enhance the clarity of your voice. In fact, this ad read is recorded on the EPOS Adapt 260. Improve your call quality today. Go to eshop.hypercom.sg to learn more about EPOS Adapt 260 headphones. And just for my listeners, you can get 30% discount. That's 3-0 discount with the code ADRIAN30, A-D-R-I-A-N-3-0. Thanks to EPOS for sponsoring this episode of The Adrian Tan Show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Adrian Tan Show, where I speak with guests who are at the forefront of all matters related to work. Whether it is on the next robotic that is taking over your job, hopefully not mine, the next work technology to make hybrid work more manageable or simply someone inspirational in the world of work. I aim to cover all of them on the show. My guest today will be sharing with us more on robotics and a very specific one called Ella. Just like Liam Neeson in Taken, Ella has a very specific skill set. In fact, as it is right now, her only skill set, and that is to be very good and efficient in making coffee. This is made possible by my guest Keith Tan the founder and CEO of Crown Digital, a robotic and coffee startup solving key challenges in the FMB industry. Previously from the wealth management industry, Keith was inspired to build a business of his own and left his job at the age of 35 to embark on his entrepreneurial journey with coffee. Crown's coffee first outlet was opened in 2016. Keith was passionate about coffee, the craft and his customers but soon realized that it was hard to scale up the business due to a shortage of skilled labor, high rental cost, and a challenge in maintaining consistent quality. This led him to think out of the box, seeking ways to infuse science and technology into the art of coffee making. The inspiration for a robotic barista came about after Keith tested a robot arm picking up and serving croissant to guests at a corporate innovation center. This sparked an eureka moment that led him to create his very own robotic barrister after learning robotic from scratch. Eventually hiring his own team of software developers, Keith took all of his operations in-house and Crown Digital was born in 2018 with the sole purpose of delivering autonomous, unmanned retail solutions that tackle manpower challenges and optimize F&B operations. Now, if you're wondering about why the name Ella it actually came about when he came across Rihanna's hit song Umbrella over the speaker and the stars just aligned. He knew instantly that Ella was the perfect name for his robot barrister. Hello, Keith, and welcome to the show. Hi, Keith. Welcome to the show. 
Hi. Hi, Adrian. Today, we'll be speaking very much with you about robotics. I believe some of you might have heard of Ella, the robot barista. She was there for two years in Plaza Singapura serving coffee autonomously. It's a robot within a box. She's completely unmanned, right? And riding on the whole digital wave of factory automation and, and yeah, serving great coffee. For listeners who are based in Singapore, where can they find Ella in Singapore? Head down to Raffles Place MRT, right? She's at, in basement one next to Polar Cafe. She's serving coffee sandwiches for the CBD crowd. I've done some research about robotic baristas and there was some comparison on the number of coffees that human barrister can make versus robot barrister. I'm sure you have more insightful facts on that. Could you help us to understand what's the differentiation in terms of the quantity that each can churn out? You're talking about quantity per hour as in, in terms of speed. So Ella has got four coffee sprouts. So she can do four cups of coffee simultaneously. And what we've built, in effect, is an entire operating model as like an OS, right? Where customers are now ordering through the mobile phone that offers a hyper-personalized experience. So you can choose and create your own drink, right? And save it as a favorite. And you'll be choosing, customizing, paying on the mobile phone, right? And that's happening anywhere. You're, you're not even in front of Ella. You can be, be ordering it ahead of time on your way to work. And then that goes into our database and Ella being a six axis robot arm, she has the ability to multitask. So the ordering is already done in the cloud. She's doing the physical work of placing the cups around and dispensing them real time. And then we also have a dispensing, a, a pickup solution, right? A pigeonhole system where we sort out the orders so you don't pick up somebody else's coffee. So this entire process of ordering customizing payment, production, and delivery is all within the system, the OS, right? So that brings a lot of efficiency. So you are multitasking, taking orders, receiving payments, producing the coffee four at a time, right? And sorting out the orders for the right customers at the same time. So in, in the, the result is we could do about 200 cups an hour uh, as a, opposed to a, a barista, a very well-trained barista doing possibly 50 cups to 60 cups an hour. Uh, but that's if they were focused on production only uh, and not taking orders and taking payments and then sorting out the orders. And know. probably the coffee would taste like crap because you have to <laughs> speed through the 50s. The thing is, that's consistency. That's one of the key challenges I face as a cafe operator. Coffee is a drink that my, and I always tell my staff, right? Our customers drink our coffee on a daily basis. If you tweak it, you adjust it, they will know because they drink it every day. It's like a Milo mm. in the middle of the night. You need your comfort drink. It's that taste, that, that comfort knowing that it's going to be consistent. So that's what we want to achieve. And with automation, you manage to. And when you're doing 50 cups an hour and try doing that for three hours nonstop, I think people will give up. <laughs> so it's not going to complain. Yeah, I'm not going to take MC. For yourself, I'm very interested to learn about the leap from being an F&B cafe owner to going into creating a robot barista. What are some of the earlier challenges that you faced in that transition? It was really tough from the get-go because I'm an outsider from a robotic automation. or I don't have that background, but I am an insider when it comes to coffee production. I was an operator, cafe op owner. So... It was really wrapping the solution around the problem that we face. And the decision to, to really solve it with automation was a big one because it, it was the technology. You read updates out there, AI, there's a lot of things that's going on. 
and the world was transforming, right? The world is going through digital, digital transformation. And as an operator, that leap was a big one, right? And then after that, to evaluate the kind of technology that would work, that took some time. So I went on to trade shows, I looked at all the robot arms out there, spoke to system integrators, listened to all of them, had a feel for how much it costs to build a system like this. And eventually, just started off a, a proof of concept, right? Found the robot arm that I like, reached out to these people and said, hey, I have this idea of automating with your robot arms. And things just fell in place because I was surrounded by a lot of people that wanted to help me. One of the early supporters for us was Intel. Their office is next door to us. So the Intelers are always in our cafe having coffee. So it's good to be, so happen to be next to all the tech companies that where they are right there, their consumers, their customers. So I reached out to them and they inducted me into their ecosystem, introduced me to their ecosystem partners. So I, I was used early on to solution providers uh, who helped me out in the early days to get the proof of concept up quickly. And then after that, there's a lot of other uh, things that happened to, that enabled us to test our systems in Marina Bay Sands and exhibitions. So that journey has been quite amazing from zero to one. And now we are looking to scaling up massively. Yeah. Do you think the fact that you were an outsider to begin with might have helped you in your journey in viewing the challenges or the problem statement a bit differently? Yes, and this is one of the key differentiators for us to be domain experts, right? We are from the domain solving a problem that we faced. So the way we approached a problem was from inside out, right? We know the problem. We know how to make good coffee. And then how do you then adapt that technology? That's and even down to evaluating the technology is from the inside out. So there are a lot of like one of the examples we build Okay, so the robot in a factory is in a very organized, it's a factory, everything is fixed, right? The robot arm, the early days when I got our arm to do so many different permutations, picking up from different places, picking up ice, picking up syrups, picking up coffee, that program was so extensive that it took 20 minutes to load the program on our robot arm, right? I went back to the manufacturer and said, guys, you know, it's taking 20 minutes to load my file. They said, you have thousands of points, right? None of our customers have ever done that because in the factory, you can imagine it's going to be a production line and when you're there, the robot arm probably just do one or two movements but very efficiently. Then it moves on to the next line. The next robot does the next step. But here we are having a robot trying to replicate what a human does. There are like thousands of nodes that we build. In, in, and that became so massive. It took 20 minutes to load. So there are a lot of learnings. And I always say, the way we design Ella is in a, for a very dynamic environment. So in the factory, the robot arms are just doing one, one job, right? And moving on, it's very con controlled environment. But when you put a robot into the public space, you have young people, you have old people, you have people from all walks of life, and you need to build a system that's in, in, intuitively easy for them to understand and to interact with and get a great cup of coffee. So that's very dynamic. And the way we approach it from Insider is our customers and end consumers are our customers. We design the user experience, we wrap it for them, but also for our as well. So our operators, the guys who are topping up the beans, cleaning up the fridge, they are our customers. So we are looking at the operations, a sustainable way forward, right? Meaning the guys who are topping up every day, they have to love Ella 
they need to really love servicing, preparing, because if they find it hard to do, it's not sustainable. They're going to hate it, right? So we are trying to solve end consumers as well as our own operators, internal stakeholders, UI and UX. So that was quite interesting. And that approach really definitely made us quite different from the other robotic companies out there. Were there any early assumptions that you brought into this business which almost immediately or overnight got dispelled? I think I was very grounded from day one. I knew what I wanted to solve in terms of using robots. I never expected the robot to do everything. So I, okay, so I do have some mechanical engineering background. I'm into cars. So I tune race cars, I race. So I didn't come from a completely zero mechanical background kind of guy. I, I was the guy tweaking race cars. Mm. So I, now my, my tweaking is the robots, right? Making coffee. Being grounded is really important. From day one, I knew I didn't try to use the robot to do latte art. In fact, back in Crown Coffee days, we don't do latte art. I've always focused on the quality of coffee because I was, I was joking to my customers then. I'm like, so sorry, I don't do latte art. It's a key thing. You're here for the coffee, not the art, right? I said, yeah, great. So, <laughs> you know what? When we apply, it's supposed to be absolutely fast, right? I don't want you to queue up in the morning when you're getting your coffee, you're, racing, you're, you're, you're rushing to work. The last thing you want is to wait 20 minutes for your coffee. So efficiency and speed is key, consistency and quality. So we looked at solving these things and built a system that, that delivers that. So not trying to build a novelty out of it. Yes, Ella is interesting, but we knew from the get-go that this has to be a sustainable business. It has to solve a problem and bring value to end consumers. So from that perspective, we have to stay grounded. But back to you, question, are there any questions? Definitely, I'm, I'm always pushing for things. I want great things to happen. Right? But one thing that a lot of people tried to convince me to do, which I said no, was to dress up Ella. They said, oh, Keith, you need to put a hat on her and make her look more human. I said, no, you know what? That's going to be a disaster. If you try to put a hat and make her look like a human and she's obviously not, it's just going to fail. I Embrace her. She is a, just a six-axis robot arm and it's the user experience, you know, that's going to make a difference. So, yeah. <laughs> So if it's the arm, I would imagine to dress it up like the thing in the Adam family, that probably might make it even more creepy. <laughs> it was going to be creepy and it's going to fail. This is not going to look great. And, um, you can only make money on Halloween. Uh. That's the only Maybe. thing you can make a lot of money. Maybe. But, uh, so we didn't want to sell novelty, right? We want to come back every day. Yeah, the first experience was great. You take videos, but it's a great coffee and the ease of getting coffee that brings them back every day and that's what we're looking for as it is right now how many cups of coffee on average can ella churn out in a day it ranges so depends on location like plaza singh on a good saturday we hit over 800 cups that's starting from around about say 10 45 that's when people start coming in till about nine o'clock at night, right? That's 800 plus. On, for exhibitions, we have done consistently a, over a thousand cups in the day. So we are the ones that can roll in, set it up within an hour, do a thousand cups and go, yeah, mobile, yeah. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. If you spend time working remotely, you will know the importance of performing your work in the easiest way possible. That would include online meetings where the clarity of thoughts and your voice are equally important. This is why everyone who does online meetings should invest in a good pair of headphones. With EPOS Adapt 260, you don't have to worry about sound quality. 
You can be heard clearly in any environment thanks to the boom arm with noise-cancelling microphone that picks up only your voice. Check them out at eshop.hypercom.sg and use the promo code ADRIAN30, A-D-R-I-A-N-3-0 to enjoy a 30% discount off your EPOS Adapt 260 headphones purchase. Thanks to EPOS for sponsoring this episode of The Adrian Tan Show. I've seen bots being deployed into many different facets of FMB. I remember seeing, of course, this robot fried rice machine, many others as well. And of course, in many restaurants right now, especially those Chinese mala restaurants, you always see that robot caterer moving around, passing you food and all that. But having said that, I think the application has not really scaled into many different aspects. Even the robot fried rice machine, I have not heard of it since. What, in your opinion, is causing this delay in applying robotic into a wider spectrum within the FMB space? Very good question. I think, first of all, uh, there are many aspects to it. And this is where I really want to share about AI. It's going to solve a lot of problems. But if you... Okay, so people ask me, Keith, why don't you get Ella to cook? I wouldn't do that yet because evaluating technology, knowing what is matured and what could really deliver a, a consistent product. If you were to cook a steak, for example, right, a fish steak, and you're going to get a robot to do it, you're trying to replicate the five senses of a human chef, right? That has been honed over years, right, of experience. And that includes your sensory feel for things, right? You get to hear the sizzle of that, the oil. You can sense the heat. You can sense that the pan is hot. You can sense, of course, you can have sensors there telling you how hot it is. But the input product, like the beef, is not consistent. I can have a consistent milk. I can have a consistent coffee that's been roasted. But when the beef that comes, that particular cow happened to just stay a bit longer in the grass fields, it's going to be leaner than the next cow that is going to have a little bit more fat content. That is where the human judgment, right? The chef having honed through the years of experience, he's adjusting on demand, right? He's adjusting himself, the timing, the heat, all that. So this is where if you are building something with robots, your vision system, AI has not reached that point yet of general intelligence, right? General AI. It, it lacks that whole sensory feel of humans combined into one to make the decision on whether to keep it longer, flip it, you know what, just splash a bit more oil. When it comes to liquid, I can control the flow, right? If I can control the pressure, I can control the flow, I can control the speed of flow, I can control the temperature of heating up, how much air goes into the milk. And the way I extract the coffee is science. We converted that art of coffee into science. So we can extract it to based on extraction timing, we can adjust them. So it, you get a consistent coffee. Food will be a bit later. It's not impossible. If you talk about fried rice, I think there's a high possibility of tossing it. You've seen some of the good use cases in Taiwan where the rice has been cooked, right? And you have all your own ingredients that are really... Cons con I think the input material has to be very consistent. And then based on how you turn it, how you heat up, it will come out to an average, pretty okay fried rice. But not the kind of chef where, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going you're gonna to cook a meat, right? Where there's, you're going to control the doneness. That's going to be tough. So I think at this stage, we need to evaluate where the technology is headed. Is it mature? And of course, the cost of implementing such technologies. Of course, the investment into the space, whether the FMB operators are ready to, to embrace such. A lot of FMB operators are already facing a big challenge running the business. 
and they are looking for instant, right, immediate solutions for their, their business models. And very often, these businesses have a lot of legacy, right? They have been built over the years. They have been running this way. And to put automation in there, so one of the questions I had from someone was, what does it take to run a fully digitized system like Ella? First of all, I think the company needs to be a data-led company. So when you have a system like Ella, she generates a lot of raw data. She has a lot of data about the customers, but how are you even leveraging on the data to make indecisions, right? So if you have all these digital inputs, but you're not designed to, to take advantage of them, then it's not going to work. And you're paying for a lot of technology that is just not going to convert into immediate sales. So the understanding and that company's ability to transform itself through its legacy and then and really de evaluating the technology that works for them because the technology is growing and it's improving, right? And your company needs to grow along with it. And whatever is you have here, you need to embrace. And then the, you have the other spectrum of people who are worried about implementing because they don't know how that's going to translate into immediate sales. Possibly not immediate improvements on the bottom line. You may end up spending a lot more, but you gain experience learning how technology will complement your business. So that process will take time. And there's so many facets to it. What you see here today, you have the slam robots, simultaneous localization and mapping. These are the ones that are doing all the deliveries. The ones that is most successful, I would say, is iRobot, our vacuum cleaners at home. So that technology is, is, is now widespread and you're seeing a lot more delivery robots out there. And it's also a lot of funding that has gone into it. That's obviously working and it's taking away the mundane task of running around. You see a lot of money that's funding such development. So funding is one thing. It's a sector interesting for investors to fund for such development, whether the industry is ready to, and also the, uh, the maturity of the technologies that's coming through. So these are all at play. Has setting up shop in Singapore been helpful for your business in any way? Absolutely. I think one of the blessings of Crown is to be domiciled here in Singapore. We could get things done very quickly. A lot of APEC headquarters are based out of Singapore. All the tech companies, if we were in the US, we were in Silicon Valley, we probably would get a lot more funding. But the cost of doing business may be higher. There may be a lot more talents over there, but you're then fighting with a lot of other companies. But Singapore gave us that kind of that, that balance of being very nimble, operating very quickly, making things happen. Marina Bay Sands is just down the road from here, Kalong Avenue. Our first exhibition, when I had a proof of concept, our first customer, guess who? Pico is just down the road. And we have a few creative agencies here. So also a couple of my, the exhibition guys, they are also our customers. So one of them came one day and said, Keith, you're working on this robot that makes coffee with a client that wants to rent your machine. Right? I'm like, okay, can I charge $5,000? And they say, yeah, they got money and it's a two-day event, right? Why don't you do it? So I'm my first time charging money for a robot prototype we built. And that was in Marina Bay Sands. As it turned out, it was Alibaba. So they were launching Alibaba Cloud and that was the first time we got engaged, got paid, and it was in Marina Bay Sands. And that's where we met the operations director of Marina Bay Sands. Then he was like, is this fully automated? I said, yeah, it is. And then he got his old operation team, the banquet team, tried the coffee, it tastes good, and you don't need labor. 
said, okay, I think we were going to talk. So since then, uh, we got onboarded as their operator. So whenever they have a big convention, they expect a lot of people, they will call us in. They said, Keith, let's get Ella in. And we did about 30, 40 exhibitions with Marina wow. Bay Sands. Yeah. And that ease of going there, and then I found a driver from Lala Move and picked up Ella from our cafe and then started sending it to Marina Bay Sands. 20 minutes, we're there. And we pack up and 20 minutes, we're back. So that Singapore being so compact, it's so easy logistic-wise to do things. So that's definitely helped us for sure. Do your understanding of the state of technology on robotics right now, are there specific problems that you believe can be solved with the current advancement of robotics but not yet being done? There's so much. I think if there's a lot more investment when it, as a startup and being hardware, so Ella is a combination of hardware and software and it's consumer product coffee. My challenges in the early days of race funding was so hard, right? Because there's a hardware and the VC community are very much focused on the software companies, the SaaS models, whereas there's no hardware, right? So the funding coming into robotics is much, is much lesser than the funding has been going into supporting all the AI startups, SaaS only companies. So the question is, are there a lot of areas that can be improved or solved with robotics? Absolutely. I'm talking about the robotic, not robotic process automation that is already done. I'm talking about physical hardware robots, surgical, medical. And recently I was at the, I did physio. So I pulled my back and I went for a Chinese thing, say PCM. And this company has a robot that was doing my massage. And I, as a local company, and I really think I was evaluating that robot when I was searching for the robot arm for my Ella. So I, I knew that robot arm, and but the scientists and I think they're from NTU and US that, that actually built it. They added their own end effector that created that that motion for massaging. But the robot arm base is still a generic off-the-shelf six-axis robot arm, and they built, of course, the software to. To, to understand the contours of my back, sense it, and then you know, had a robot do the massage. I thought that's brilliant because that's a very manual labor. So the consultant that, that helped me, he evaluated me, he started that process. Robot was doing about 40 minutes and he came in with his time so optimized, he was looking at a couple of patients at the same time. And then when I'm done with the robot, he came in and then finished it off the final touches. I think this is what we need to look into when it comes to productivity. Our human labor, our time is limited. We need to look into automation to help us find our output and productivity is key. So this is one good use case and I really hope more investment and support comes into that space. Physiotherapy and rehab, right? I thought this collaborative robot would be really good for rehab where you need a physio to just keep moving the legs this way, right? So once you program it, the arm will just do it and it's in, not intrusive, it will not hurt you. It's an arm mm. that can work with humans. And that, that's going to be, uh, I will see a huge opportunity in, in terms of healthcare and medical, right? And I'm very excited to be able to. So my aspiration is that while well, Ella is going to the corporates, the train stations and airports, eventually Ella is going to go home. I want mm -hmm. Ella to... So we are learning a lot about how humans and robots are interacting. We, we have a lot of data on that. We're learning on how to build human centric robot systems, right? Serving coffee. But eventually we want to turn on that kind of knowledge into something that you can bring home because I think my parents are the graying society that they are the baby boomers, right? My dad's in his seventies. 
And there's going to be a lot of, especially in Japan, a lot of old people. And I don't think we have enough people to serve, um, to look after the old agent. So that could see a huge opportunity for robotics. This put my home onto the wait list. What do you foresee robots would be able to do in a two, three, five years horizon? I love autonomous driving, but I really do think that it will take a bit longer for autonomous driving to, to happen, robo taxis, because I'm very passionate about cars. And I thought that would be absolutely essential right, for all the roads, right? Once you have the cars that are all autonomous, there's no more accidents. It's going to be this, the traffic lights. You don't even need to wait, right? You can just zoom straight in. It's optimized. Um, but that requires a lot of infrastructure, a lot of data, uh, a lot of uh, latency issues. And that's where I said, again, AI hasn't reached that point where you have intuition. This is something that will take time for AI to, to catch up on. But the immediate ones, delivery robots, maybe some areas, autonomous driving within, I, I think, Tuas, building a lot of autonomous driving for in the port. In the controlled environment, you see a lot of these work to be automated. And they can, in the factories, smart factories, dark factories, right? So where they are not even... Um, uh, working in light, right? They're working in the dark. Drones and uh, robots doing farming, harvesting fruits. These robot arms with vision systems can totally do that 24-7, right? Without even having to do it in the daytime, it will do it at night. Um, robots going into retail space is going to take time because simply because retail has so deeply seated and a lot of legacy. We are the ones that are changing that and I hope more will take on. So I'm happy to have more compet competition. I think it's just going to be great for the industry as a whole. Yeah, so these areas just off my head. Yeah. I read a report in CNBC that robots could take over 20 million jobs by 2030. And given what you said, of course, it does sound like a lot of jobs might be lost to robots as they continue to get better. Assuming if you are one of those people who depend on such jobs, what are some of your advice or tips you would want to give to them in order to better prepare themselves for the future? I think... We shouldn't be worried about that. And that has happened so many rounds, all the industrial revolution, industrialization of the steam engines. If you're worried, right? My mom days, they were, there are phone operators doing switchboards. That's gone. Are we losing jobs? No. I think as a society, especially in Singapore, I think there are a lot of programs to reskill everyone here. And we need to look at what's ahead of us and prepare ourselves for that future. And, uh, and there's a lot of pro government programs helping companies, employees who want to... If you're willing to learn, there is an opportunity for you to reskill yourself. And there are a lot of grants out there that's offering you these opportunities. And productivity is key, especially in Singapore. We do not have all the resources. We need to be very efficient in what we do. And by doing that, it keeps us abreast with technology and then we can progress as a society. I think we are very lucky to be in Singapore where the government, I don't want, I want there's so many programs out there that is, is providing us and giving us support, right, to reskill ourselves. And I think my, my, my take is look at what's a, a happening and technology is definitely coming in. Automation will come in. And if you look at your crane operators, for example, they are now going to be completely automated in the, in, in the ports. And I remember my cousin, you know, maybe 20 years, 25 years ago, he was a crane operator and he earned a very decent living operating the cranes in the, uh, in the ports, in the containers. 
But Antoine's is now automating that completely, rightfully safety, health and safety and all. So from there, your skill set that you gain from there, you could do other things and complement it with reskilling with new technologies, right? And then that's where you bring value. And I think every company out there values experience. But if you can equip yourself with new skills with your experience gain, then you become very valuable. So embrace it because it's going to come and reskill yourself. It could be a case of moving from a crane operator who is very much specialized in tactile movement to, say, maybe drone operator. That could Absolutely. potentially be a way. Exactly. So that's something that, yeah, good, good use case here. What can listeners look forward to about Ella moving into 2023? Okay, so we are going into a hospital. Hospitals love, imagine the doctors and nurses 24-7 working. They could do with a nice cup of coffee even at 3 a.m., isn't it? She's going into the airport, two locations at least or more. Um, and then, of course, a lot of corporates. We found Ella really works in a corporate setting. So corporates are now thinking about hybrid working environment and they're, they're attracting their staff back, employee wellness, how to engage your customers better, their employees better. So we have deployed quite a few into companies and they're all inbound. They're coming to us uh, to deploy Ella. We basically built this, okay, there's a software as a service, SaaS. We created this coffee as a service. So we build, we, we release the machines to the corporates, the companies. It's end-to-end, -end, right? We will we'll teach the user journey to fit into their corporate com company's experience and we do all the coffees. So they hands off, they just enjoy the great coffee and that's growing. A lot of companies are coming to us. That's definitely going to the corporate offices. Train stations, which SMRT, we have 30 more to go. We are very, we are, we're, we're tackling the lower hanging fruits with the hospitals and the airports uh, and B2B and then eventually going into more train stations and malls. But 2023 is us entering Japan on a big scale as uh, over 100 locations going to happen in Japan within 2023. In fact, I just had a meeting with JR East, our investor. Uh, there's a lot of partnerships coming along. And by the end of 2023, we should enter a new market beyond and we have our sights on US market. For other coffee lovers who are not yet your customers, where can they learn more about Ella as well as yourself? You can come to our website, crowndigital.io uh, or search for Ella on Google. Uh, add me on LinkedIn, happy to connect on LinkedIn. And yesterday, we just hosted a group of uh, INSEAD, I know, uh, ESSEC Business School, uh, EMBA students. And we're beginning to start these learning journeys into our office where they get to see Ella, how we built the tag. And I think this is my, my marketing team. We were just thinking we should do more of these learning journeys for corporates or for educational institutes or to bring the students over. And yeah, so eventually we may have open days in our office to see behind the scenes how that robot works to brew that great cup of coffee. So there'll be more engagements coming up. Akif, thank you so much for your time on this podcast today. I really learned so much about Ella Coffee and I hope all the best for you with the rest of your journey with Ella. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Can you hear any background noise right now? This is recorded with the EPOS Adapt 260 headphones and I'm doing it with my windows open embracing the sounds of chirping birds and roaming cars. But you won't be able to pick them up from the audio. This is made possible with EPOS Adapt Advanced Hardware-Powered Noise Cancellation Technology. Whether you're working with young kids in the background, neighbors renovating their new places, or the ambient noise at the cafe, the EPOS Adapt 260 will automatically remove them. All that is left is the crisp sound quality of your voice. To learn more about EPOS Adapt 260, head over to eshop.hypercom.sg and use the promo code ADRIAN30 to enjoy 30% 
of your EPOS Adapt 260 headphones purchase. Thanks to EPOS for sponsoring this episode of The Adrian Tan Show. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.